Hey there, and welcome to your weekly episode of I Didn't Sign Up For This with Allison Casanova and myself, Jade Shaw. We are both licensed marriage and family therapists here in the Bay Area of California. Whether you're a practitioner yourself or just interested in topics around mental health and therapy, join us here for some real and honest conversations. Please note that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy or medical advice. Any questions about your specific situation should be directed to your own therapist or primary care physician. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody. We are on episode 12.2. So this is kind of a continuation from our last episode where we talked about how physical injuries can affect your mental health. And today we're going to talk about um, chronic pain and traumatic brain injuries and how those can sort of turn into um, personality changes or how we can see personality changes after those things. Um, So that's today's topic. Did you want to add anything to that, Allison? Uh, Or mood changes. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I think first, let's talk about a little bit about what chronic pain is. And I think in order for us to do that, we should probably talk about like regular acute pain. So I think that is normally something that happens from an injury, right? It's sudden, it's quick, it happens, it's ow, that hurt. And it either takes quickly to kind of heal or it takes like a little bit depending on what it is. Chronic pain is something that persists over a period of time. It progresses, like it's not just automatic, it hurts. It's like it starts to kind of hurt a little bit and then it gets worse and then it gets worse. So it, a lot of people who experience chronic pain will often say that it is resistant to medical treatment. So you can go, so you can go in and try and get support for it, but it often, you don't really you don't really get that much relief so they give you options for pain management sometimes it can end in surgery and sometimes that's not an option so for example uh, some conditions that might be related to this uh, could be from a sports injury um, or a trauma it could be from something like fibromyalgia or cancer or sciatica or arthritis diabetes so it, it can be it can worsen with environmental or psychological changes. Um, Something that's happening around you, maybe like a stressful situation uh, can kind of increase the symptoms. Yeah, chronic pain I think is something that's more like up and coming in terms of people's knowledge about it and even being able to identify their experience. Um, And it's definitely new well, newer in the way that it relates to the mental health field. I think that that's not something that we completely understood before in terms of how it like played into mood and mental health and how, you know, mental health can affect chronic pain too. I think a lot of people that I see that have chronic pain, it's often correlated with depression too, because it, it's like the chicken or the egg, which came first. Is mm-hmm. it the, the pain and now I'm depressed because of the pain or was I depressed and now the symptoms are exacerbated? My mm-hmm. pain is exacerbated. Um, I like to call it hidden pain mm. because I think a lot of times people will put on a face and so it it looks like they're totally fine 
And oftentimes it's this inner struggle. There's so much going on, but not a lot of people see it. So these are the people that maybe have a handicap sign and they'll park in the handicap spot and then they get out and someone maybe yells at them because they don't look handicapped, Mm -hmm. which is so unfair, but it does, it happens because you get really good at putting on a face because it, 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 nobody, nobody likes feeling that way. And it's just really hard to show people because a lot of times people don't understand because they can't see the injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point that it's not visible. And for a lot of people too, I think it becomes like you're unfortunately used to that pain. So it's, mm-hmm. it just feels normal to you at some point. Yeah, your brain actually adapts to it. It's a coping it's a coping skill because mm-hmm. if you had to be in that intense pain all the time, it would be really hard to do a lot of stuff. So your your brain adapts to it to make it a little easier even though it's still really challenging. I think uh, something that maybe we can talk about in the next episode is the spoon theory. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Associated that with chronic illness. Yeah, let's do it. Um, one thing I talk to some of my clients about is it's kind of related to what you're talking about, how the brain adapts, but, you know, this isn't the case for all chronic pain patients, but that sometimes chronic pain really is your brain's way of protecting you, which sounds kind of wonky, but it's like your brain saying, okay, we're getting ready for, um, like X stimuli. And so we're gonna, we're gonna just act preemptively. And that's why people feel this ongoing pain because their brain is just used to sending out that signal. So yeah, just another example of how our brain really is pretty closely tied to chronic pain. And that's not super widely understood. I don't think. Well, and I think too, like it, pain is an indicator that something is wrong, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times we don't see what's going on inside, but that doesn't mean that something isn't, isn't, isn't wrong. Something, something, it's your brain's way of saying, Hey, you know, pay attention. We have to fix this problem. Um, and it could be with, I mean, that's the same thing with depression too, right? Emotional pain. Yeah. Yeah. I think the part that gets confusing is that sometimes your brain gets used to thinking that something should be wrong. And so it just continues to to think that it is. And the pain is definitely still real. Um, It's just that your body could have healed, but your brain hasn't caught up with it yet. Right. And so it's sending that message, even though it doesn't need to send it anymore. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen all the time, but it does happen with people. And I think too, this whole adapting and your brain being used to being in it, I think also kind of explains why some days are going to be easier than others. And that's also super confusing, not only to the person experiencing the pain, but everybody around them. Like maybe one day you can stand up and do the dishes and you're feeling okay. And the next day it's like this, this, the most exact, um, exhausting thing that you could possibly do and you just can't get up and do it. Yeah, exactly. And to think how frustrating it is when you are trying to explain this to your doctor, (laughs) you're like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Just sometimes it's really painful and sometimes it's not as bad. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they don't really explain the pain scale, right? right? And I think that I think they should because what ends up happening, I find a lot of times is the doctor will say, just tell me one to 10, 10 being worse. And a lot of people will say, well, it's a 12 because it hurts so bad, mm-hmm. but then they don't get taken seriously. So I think they really should sit there and explain like what each one means mm-hmm. so that people will have more of an idea and they can actually be heard and taken seriously. Yeah, the pain scale is, that's a tough one. I think there's actually, um, doctors are legally supposed to ask where you fall on a pain scale though. So it's like this obligation that they have to ask, but how helpful is it really? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's subjective, but if you could at least have some parameters, like for example, one is there's no pain, right? And five is, I don't know, you can uh, you can kind of put it aside sometime, but it does interfere with your everyday activity and it is painful mm-hmm. and it, it takes up a lot of your day. And then 10 being, I am in so much pain, I can't even formulate sentences and I can't talk. Yeah. I think that would maybe make it easier to kind of figure out where you are. Yeah. If they could say something like that, like what is their idea of what that looks like? Right. Yeah, definitely. Instead of just, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, because that could be anything. That could look like anything. Yeah, and how does that compare to when you go in next time? Like, I don't remember what I said last time or where I fell on that scale or how that compares to where I might fall today. Yeah, and I mean, I I will even say because I I had – I've had experiences going into doctors too just with the whole back thing that I had and – Sometimes they ask you, yeah, and it, it's every doctor is different. Mm-hmm. So then you forget what you said, and and then you you know you hear one thing from one doctor and a different thing from the next doctor. So that's that's the other thing I will say is I think, and you know I'm sorry if I'm if I'm offending any doctors <laughs> that are listening, but somebody told me this, and I will always hold it with me because I think it it just makes so much sense. It is called practicing medicine for a reason. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows everything. So you only have the experience that you know. So you can only help somebody with what you know. So this other person over here might have a different experience in their medical training and be able to help a little differently. So if you, as the patient going in, doesn't really feel like you're getting the help that you feel like you need or you don't feel like the doctor really gets you it's okay to get a second opinion and keep pushing Mm -hmm. until you feel like you know they're hearing you and what you're what they're saying makes sense to you because Mm -hmm. sometimes you may if they can't see what's going on too like they're may they may miss something yeah this is exactly like what we talked about in our first or second episode with you know, not every therapist is going to be a good fit for you. Not every doctor right. is going to be a good fit for you, dentist, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think sometimes we forget that because doctors, I think, have more of that authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like doing quotations right now. You can't see me. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we look at them in like that power role. We don't often look at, ther- at therapists that way. Right. Yeah, definitely. Good point. Um, did you want to say any more about like the mood changes or personality changes that come with chronic pain? 
Um, yes. So I don't even think I touched on that. I just kind of defined it and then skipped right <laughs> over that second part because it was a really good conversation that we were having. It was. Um, I really enjoy. <laughs> I really enjoy this topic actually. So uh, I think because it it's something that you get used to and it starts it can start to wear on you. So oftentimes people will get more grouchy or get more tired, get more exhausted, more irritable, more anxious even because if you used to be able to do something a certain way and now you can't, you're going to get frustrated. If you can't do the things with your friends that you used to be able to do, it does get upsetting and then you get upset at yourself too and then the other part of that is if you know you're doing something sometimes you can be scared that you're going to hurt yourself more so you just don't do it and then you get sad because you can't do it so it, it just increases all of that stuff and then if you look at personality changes sometimes you can kind of almost have this separate personality when you're do when you're acting um when you are acting out of this pain, uh, it, it don't really seem like yourself. You'll notice it. Other people around you will notice it. And I know something that we um, kind of talked about last time too, just touching on it is a brain injury. So depending on where that part of your brain got injured, it could create a whole different personality change. Mm -hmm. And that one's maybe a little bit more permanent than some of the other changes that you might see with just like a, uh, a different injury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly, you know, we touched on this a little bit last time, but certainly that frustration or sadness, anxiety, depression that comes with not being able to do something that you normally do. And then even just your communication style, like when you're frustrated, you're not going to always communicate as effectively. And then that, you know, has a chain reaction and, how that affects, you know, your relationships and just all these sort of like ripple effects that happen. And if you're in pain all the time, it's going to make it a lot harder for you to concentrate and think mm -hmm. clearly. So it will affect your communication. Even if you're not trying to miscommunicate, it's still going to happen. So you had just mentioned brain injury, and that's something that we wanted to talk about in this episode too. So there's kind of two categories to this that we wanted to go over. So the first I'm going to describe um, CTE, which stands for chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And that is a fancy term for something that you all are probably more aware of than you think. So mm -hmm. this is basically a progressive brain disease that happens when somebody is experiencing constant, what they would call subconcussive hits. So if you think about a football player, like constantly being tackled, you're pretty familiar with concussions being, you know, pretty common, but what we don't always think about are those smaller hits where they get up and they keep playing and it seems like nothing's wrong. So after hundreds and thousands of those, basically what happens is a trigger where a protein called tau starts to build up in your brain and eventually it starts to spread and it kills brain cells. And so this will, for obvious reasons, I think, lead to 
major changes in people's behaviors, personalities, moods, all kinds of things. Um, so for those of you who follow me on my Instagram, I had promised some stories and examples in this episode. So one example that some of you might be familiar with if you follow sports is the um, New England Patriots. I think he was a tight end for the New England Patriots, but his name was Aaron Hernandez. He was, I want to say 27 years old, and he ended up in prison for multiple murders, one of which was a friend of his, and two others were caused after somebody had bumped into him or spilled a drink on him in a bar, and he went after them and ended up murdering them. And while he was in prison, he committed suicide. And, you know, I obviously didn't know him personally. We can't always trust everything we hear in the news and the media. But in, you know, hearing people that knew him talk about him, this didn't seem like the person that they knew. And so when we see something like this, I, as a clinician, would think brain injury. So after he passed, they looked closer at his brain and found that he had very, very severe CTE. So unfortunately, CTE isn't something that they can diagnose while the person is still living, but they did find that this is something that he was suffering from and you know, you can correlate it with his behaviors. They can't really say that it was the cause, but they can say that he did have CTE and it might explain some of these um, aggressive behaviors. So that's one example. I, I will say that uh, you can you can get like a, an MRI though and be able to see that there's like an inflammation in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um and I know this because I know a, whole, a lot of people who have been in sports like that mm-hmm. and who have felt like not themselves, felt more angry and irritable, more depressed, had a harder time concentrating. And so they went and got that done and then found out that they had um, that inflammation in their mm-hmm. brain. And so they were able to, to be put on like a protocol with different things, different medicines that might be able to help and um then went to therapy to kind of uh, manage the symptoms. So while that is like an extreme case that Jade is is sharing, I don't think that that is something that necessarily always happens. You don't get it and then go around murdering people. But that's like, it's a, it's a, I just thought I'd clarify that <laughs> to people out there so they don't think that that's like a given. <laughs> right. No, definitely not. Um, this is definitely an extreme case. But also to say, like, it does happen. There are lots of people who this does happen to. I mean, if you look in the world of sports, it's definitely more frequent than we would like. Um, Some of you might also be familiar with the movie Will Smith was in. I think it's called Concussion. Um, But that's basically what that movie is about is this. You were talking about this. I haven't seen it Uh yet, so I have it on my list. It's a really good, really powerful movie. I thought. I really enjoyed it. Well, it has Will Smith in it, so I mean, like, it has to be good. Right, yeah. I honestly haven't seen anything he's in that I didn't like, I don't think. (laughs) I Yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so you can certainly see symptoms, and you can get brain scans that will 
give you clues, but an actual diagnosis of CT can't be made until after death. Which we kind of want to avoid. We want to avoid that part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for saying that. This is an extreme case. This isn't going to be the case for everybody. If you're having mood shifts, like don't freak out and immediately think that you have CT because you play football or, you know, box or fell and hit your head once or anything. But knowledge is power, right? Yeah. No, it was a good example. So we also wanted to talk about traumatic brain injury in general. And this is something that we might see more commonly than CTE. So this can be, you know, if you fall and hit your head really hard or you're in a car accident or um, maybe more common things since we're not all out playing football, getting tackled hundreds and thousands of times. But I'm going to share an example here that Alice and I have been talking about wanting to share for a couple weeks now. Um, and some of you might already be familiar with the story of Phineas Gage. But this was a man who was a foreman in 1848, and he was cutting a railroad using a tamping iron, and he was packing explosive powder into the hole, and the powder, the powder detonated, and it basically caused the tamping iron to shoot up, and it went like through his cheek and shot straight out of his head and landed feet away from him. And so he remained conscious through this entire thing until the doctor got there. He was like responsive to the doctor and he survived. But what happened was he became extremely difficult to work with. He started saying very offensive things and he ended up losing a job and he couldn't maintain friendships. And this was really the first time that we were able to sort of find out that specific parts of the brain were mostly responsible for certain responsibilities. Does that make sense? Yeah, certain certain tasks, certain responsibilities. That's what you said. Because each part of your brain is responsible, yeah, for something different. So depending on where you get it, like if it's the frontal part, you know, you're going to have some kind of emotional or uh, difficulty with impulse mm -hmm. control, right? And problem solving. Yeah. And that's like where your personality is. But I mean, like if you get it toward like where the brainstem is, you're probably not going to live. Fortunately and unfortunately for Mr. Gage, it wasn't in his brainstem, but it did mess with his prefrontal cortex. So he saw mood shifts, emotional dysregulation, social inhibition, impulse control, problems keeping appointments with people because he couldn't stay organized. Um, so this by no means indicates that one part of the brain is solely responsible for something the entire brain kind of works together, but it does show us where things predominantly reside, if that. It does. And I think it depends on when it happens too, right? So if you get a brain injury when you're younger, you're, that plasticity that we were talking about in previous episode, it makes it a lot easier for parts to do the other parts that are got, that got damaged. So take that responsibility and kind of do it. But I think as you get older, I think it's a little harder for your brain to do that. Not that it can't always, it just, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. So those are some examples of how brain injuries can affect our personalities, our moods. And we told you guys that we would keep it at about 30 minutes. So we're going to jump quickly into tips of the day. 
So my tip is gonna sound super silly, uh, but it is to over-communicate if you have plans with someone involving someone else. And what I mean when I say this is, I think we have thoughts in our mind on what we're gonna do or how we're gonna do things. And they might, it might, they might end, how things might end up. And then we don't often say anything because we don't really think it's necessary. Uh, maybe for example, like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to get A, B, and C done. And then I'm just going to see what my roommate or whoever I'm, whoever is there is going to be doing and we'll hang out. But what ends up happening is maybe you get disappointed because they're actually busy. So that didn't actually end up happening or they get disappointed because they were waiting for you all day and didn't know that you were going to be out that long. So it, Obviously, you know, we're the only ones that are in our heads, but I think sometimes we assume that other people know what our plans are without us actually communicating them. So sometimes you might not think a detail is important, but it's really good to share it. I think it helps kind of clear things up. Yeah, I like that because we don't often think of that as something that we want to do, but it definitely can be helpful. Mm -hmm. So my tip is going to be to have a morning routine. So... This can be something super simple, but whatever it is, have one thing that you do every morning, whether it's like meditate for five minutes or journal your intentions or eat breakfast sitting down, whatever it is, something that you do consistently because that will start your day off on a better foot than if you are rushing around chaotic and frantic. So that's my tip. And I think that concludes our episode 12.2. If you guys have any questions about any of this or any information that you want us to follow up on, let us know. Get back to us. We love to hear your comments and feedback, and we definitely take it into consideration. And then I think next week we're going to be talking about coping with chronic pain. Yep. And we'll give some examples of how we cope. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Perfect. We'll see you guys then. Until next time. Bye. Bye.